Are you a follower of Jesus Christ who's done being quiet? Are you ready to tell the world whose you are, totally, fearlessly, and unapologetically? And are you ready to smash that imaginary wall that supposedly divides your career and faith life? Welcome to the C-Suite for Christ podcast, where we talk about living as a disciple of Christ in the world of work. Before we get to the content we have in store for you today, here's a quick word from our sponsor. Are you a Christian-based organization? Well, so are we, and we're here to serve you. We want to help you with your mission, so please visit ParagonMarketingGroup.com to see how we can help. It is our human nature to want to fix every problem we encounter. This practice not only puts undue pressure on us, it goes against what Christ wants us to do, that being looking to Him for answers. Being part of a Nehemiah Group Roundtable is a good step toward getting into the habit of asking for Christ's help when expected or unexpected problems occur in our lives. To learn more about how our organization can change your life, please visit FuelingSales.com and click on the Nehemiah Groups tab. Well, hey there, everybody. Welcome once again to another edition of the C-Suite for Christ podcast. I am your host, the founder of C-Suite for Christ, Paul M. Newberger. Boy, howdy. It's a blessing to have you. I know that you are a busy person. Boy, we all are busy. I tell you, society has a busy problem today, man. It's absolutely crazy between work and children and family and other obligations, taking kids to wrestling and dance and you know, wanting to have uh, some fun on your own side and pursue your own leisurely endeavors there's no shortage of time or no shortage of demands on your time i should say so the fact that you're blessing us with yours means the world to us and i promise we're going to be a good steward of that we've got a great show lined up for you here today very excited to introduce you to our guest of honor his name is chad garman he is a member of the orlando chapter of C-Suite for Christ, one of the five chapters that has sprung up all over the world just in the last couple of months. Very, very exciting. Orlando is doing some big things under the leadership of chapter president Andrea Sherwood. So if you're in Orlando specifically or Florida generally, you may be wanting to take a look at that chapter in the Sunshine State. And Chad's going to join us here later on in the program. One of the things I just want to encourage you to do, just because it's less than two weeks away, you got to get moving on this gang, the Covering the World in Christ celebration, rapidly approaching Thursday, February 9th. It's going to be held in beautiful West Bend, Wisconsin. If you're going to be in person, we got a lot of people flying in from all over the world, driving in from all parts of the country. It's going to be very, very exciting. Speaking of Orlando in Florida, if you are in the Orlando area or in the state of Florida, they're going to be having an in-person viewing party so you can join the members of C-Suite for Christ Orlando. You can join some of the brothers and sisters in Christ in Florida to partake in those festivities. But either way, we're less than two weeks away. This is our big annual showcase event. The reason that we have the Covering the World in Christ celebration is so that Christians from all over the world can come together to pray for each other, encourage each other, witness to each other, and make a bold declaration of faith that says, you know what, we're done being quiet. We're done. We're going to boldly and unapologetically start to tell the world whose we are and how better, how more fitting to do that with a thousand Christian executives from all over the world, as well as Governor Mike Huckabee as the keynote speaker and musical sensation Danny Gokey as the musical performer. It's going to be a night of praise, worship, and a raucous crowd making a heavenly noise. 
If you want to buy your tickets, and again, you got to go fast, really, because we're less than two weeks away, and this thing is uh, getting big quick. Go to our website, csweetforchrist.com. So I was talking to my mom recently. I don't uh, talk to her as much as I otherwise probably should. Again, I'm busy. I got a family of my own. I'm traveling all over the world. I own multiple businesses. I was just talking about us as society having a busy problem. From time to time, I have a busy problem. I'm not prioritizing my mom any less, but it's just the, the state of things. I'm not single anymore. I don't live right next door pretty much anymore. I, I, I'm not uh, uh, childless anymore. I got a lot of stuff going on. So I don't talk to my parents as much as I otherwise would, but I was talking to my mom recently and I just, like I always do, I ask her about work. And, and that just kind of got me thinking a little bit about my mom's career path and some of the things that that has led to Along the way, I forget how long it's been, but it's been almost like 40 years, 45 years. My mom has been an employee of Walgreens, the pharmacy and drugstore chain, and she's worked in the beauty department. Well, obviously, if you've ever seen a picture of me, you would say, obviously, Mrs. Newberger works in the beauty department with a stud muffin like Newberger. Anyway, I just was just kind of talking about things. And it's it was always kind of a blessing and a curse to have a mom who worked in the beauty department of Walgreens. It was a blessing. Yeah, because, you know, she was always into cosmetics and skincare and, you know, taking um, taking some of the latest ointments and lotions and facial creams and things like that. Now, again, not the most manly thing in the world to talk about, but, you know, I've always had good skin, I guess. Very oily skin. But my my, my mom says that's that's good because I'm not going to wrinkle as much. But anyway, you know, I just, I just learned a lot. From my mom, I learned a lot about how to how to wash your face properly, how to take care of your skin properly, how to moisturize properly, the types of, um, you know, body wash to use. Again, not the thing you're going to talk about at the big game at halftime at the bar with your buddy Rocco. But but still, you know, these things are important. And I and I would argue that a number of especially guys my age just don't get exposed to that kind of stuff. So so that was always a blessing. But I would also say it was a bit of a curse because. My mom, who, again, has very nice skin, takes care of her hair again because she knows all the secrets and she knows, you know, what to do and what not to do. She would like inspect you almost kind of sort of like it wasn't creepy or it wasn't bad. But, oh, Paul, you're not washing your face. You're starting to break out. Paul, are you using that lotion that I gave you? Because that lotion is going to reduce wrinkles by about 0.7%. And I'm seeing some bags under your eyes. Hey, Paul, you must not have got a lot of sleep last night. Your eyes are looking kind of puffy. You guys should try this one. You know, again, it was all for my good. But it was like I had to be inspected by my mom to some degree. Mom, okay, I don't care about the bags under my eyes. I don't care about that little blackhead that might be showing up on my nose. Leave me alone. I got enough stuff to worry about. That, that kind of thing. It was a blessing. But it was also a bit of a curse, and, I, and it kind of brought me back to when I first, you know, again, I'm, I'm not telling you anything you don't already know, but is, you know, you get a little bit older, your body starts to change, call it puberty or whatever you want to call it, the hormones and everything else. Well, you know, whatever age that was for me, I wasn't keeping a calendar or a diary, so I'm sorry I can't give you the exact date, but maybe, you know, 13, 14 years old, I don't know, something around there. You know, my mom would just start looking at me and say, you, you're going to have to start washing your face. You're, you're, you're starting to break out a little bit. You, I'm, I'm starting to notice some, you know, pimples or, or, or some other uh, imperfections on your skin. And I, I just remember 
talking about my, what are you talking about, mom? I look at myself in the mirror every day. I don't see anything. I, I look at these pictures that are being taken of me. I look totally fine. I'm uh, again, be it in my locker or be it in the, the bathroom, whatever else. I mean, I'm, I'm changing, I'm putting on clothes, I'm brushing my teeth. I mean, I'm seeing my face on an ongoing, regular basis. What are you talking about, mom? There is no breakouts, blackheads. What are that? I look perfectly fine. And then my mom one day decided to take me into the bathroom and just really kind of say, well, Paul, I want you to see what I'm seeing. So, you know, you turn on the lights and you got the big mirror. And what she did is she pretty much moved my face right up to the mirror under the intense lights. We had some of those uh, some of those big like light bulbs over the mirror. My, my face is about four inches away from the mirror, really under those bright lights. And she's now walking me through what she's seeing. And I'll be honest, I was disgusted what I saw. I, I was like, whose face is this? Because now she's showing me. Well, there's a, and again, sorry to get disgusting. I'm just trying to make the point. Well, there, there's a little cluster of pimples there that are getting ready to form. Look at that little blackhead that you got on the nose there. Uh, you can see here on the chin, uh, you, you see that that skin starting to turn a little pinkish. Yeah, that's a bit of an issue. Paul, look at your pores over here by your left sideburn. I mean, just, just kind of look at how dirty those pores are. It was the most disgusting, horrifying thing I've ever seen. And I'm thinking, whose face is this? Because previously, again, I'm not lying to her. I'm not lying to you. Every single day, I looked in the mirror constantly. Every single day, brushing my teeth, changing my clothes, looking at myself in the, in the locker. After I go to the bathroom and I wash my hands, I'm looking at myself. I look perfectly fine. But when I got really, really close to that mirror, when I got really, really close to those bathroom lights, and when I had, I guess, an expert pointing out these blemishes, I was horrified. And I pretty much said, Mom, what, what do I do? Oh, my gosh, help me. I'm, I, I, oh, I look like Quasimodo here. What do I have to do to fix this? And my mom put me on a regimen of a certain kind of face wash with a certain kind of lotion and a certain kind of cadence and a certain kind of body wash. And I felt great now. But, oh, man, I just felt dirty. I felt unclean. I felt like a monster. I felt like a leper when I was able to see all those imperfections so up close. Okay, I see what you're talking about. I'm dirty. I'm nasty. Clean me. Help me. This is disgusting. And in that instance, it was almost like, well, somebody had to bring me very, very, very close to the light so that light could shine and showcase all of the imperfections that, quite frankly, I just wasn't seeing. And that is what it's like to get close to Christ. You see, not all of us, many of us, I should say, are not intimately close with the light. In this case, our Heavenly Father. Jesus Christ is the light. Many of us believe in the light. Many of us read some of the things that the light has written in Scripture or our daily devotionals or the occasional prayer that we do. Many of us get exposed to the light's contents and commandments and recommendations of how we live our life. We go to church once in a while. But very few of us have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And unless you have, and again, just think about how you talk amongst your friends. Hey, do you know Bob? No, I've, I don't know Bob very well. I've only met him once in a while. AKA we're not very close. Or somebody says, Hey, do you know Bob? Oh, I know Bob. We're extremely close. Well, when you're close to somebody, you understand them, you know them, you've got intimacy with them. You are never in distant proximity from them. Even if I'm not physically, like I'm close with my wife, right? Well, as I'm recording this podcast, she's doing some volunteer work at the kid's school. We're not physically close right now. But because we love each other, because we're soulmates, because we're best friends, we are never far from each other's minds and hearts. We are constantly thinking about each other. We are close in spirit. Many people are far from God physically, but also far from God spiritually. They don't think about God a lot. They don't talk to God a lot. They don't enjoy fellowship with God a lot. They don't meditate on God's word a lot. So they're far away. Well, when you're far away from the light, you're like me when I was a kid looking at myself in the mirror from 10 feet away. I look fine. I look good. I look normal. There's nothing wrong with me. Therefore, I'm okay, and I'm going to keep doing what I need to do. Paul, you should really wash more. Paul, you should really clean yourself more. Paul, you should really have a better hygiene recommendation. No, I'm fine, Mom. I look good. No, Mom, there's no problem. In other words, Paul, you should pray more. Paul, you should go to church more. Paul, you should enjoy intimacy with Jesus Christ more. Paul, you should enjoy fellowship with other Christians more. No caring person. My life is fine. My spiritual relationship is fine. I don't sin that much. I don't deviate that much. My life isn't that much of a mess. I'm fine. But what starts to happen is when you do, when you enjoy that intimacy with Christ more, you are getting closer to the light. The closer you get to the light, the dirtier you feel, the more imperfections you see, the more horrible you look. Because compared to Jesus, we are, I mean, we're all busted, broken, sinful, disgusting people. But the more you get closer to him, the more you realize I'm unworthy of his love. I'm unworthy of his salvation. I'm unworthy of his redemptive powers. I screw up every day. I'm ugly inside. I'm committing sin after sin. I want to stop, but I can't. I, I, I keep having these lusts of the flesh because you keep thinking of Jesus. You keep thinking of his love, his purity, his forgiveness, his patience, his kindness, his redemptive powers. The fact that he died for you and you just feel more and more unworthy, more and more disgusting, more and more dirty. The closer you get to the light, the more ugliness it reveals. This is why many times as Christians, I would tell you, some of the more depressed people I find are some of the people that have the best relationship with Jesus. And, and to, to some degree, you're thinking, why would that be? That's stupid. You, you, 
You are closer to him than just about anybody else. You fellowship more with him. You understand him. You can quote scripture left and right. Why are you still feeling bad about life? And part of that reason is, is because his light is just shining brighter on you. It's revealing more imperfections on you. You're cognizant of all the areas where you're falling short. You feel bad that you're not doing more, serving more. Gosh, one one little give to the temptation of the flesh, and you feel horrible about it for days, even after you pray about it, even after you beg for forgiveness, even after you say, God, I'm never going to do it again. You feel horrible because you looked at that one adult website just for a few seconds. You feel horrible because you're at the grocery store and you lusted over that man or that woman. You feel horrible because you were at the convenience store and somebody gave you incorrect change and you didn't say anything about it. You feel horrible because the light is blinding you. You are so close to the light that it is going to call attention to every little imperfection that you have. And I'm here to encourage you to say, that's a good thing. That is a wonderful thing. Now, again, This is an encouraging moment here because I just don't want you to say, gosh, I pray to God every day, yet I I don't feel all that better. Gosh, I, I enjoy intimacy with our Heavenly Father every single day. Why isn't my life perfect? Quite the opposite, in fact. Your life is going to just, you're just going to feel like an imperfect human being because God's light is shining on those imperfections. You're going to feel like you're falling short constantly because that light is highlighting those shortcomings. It's the people that are miles away from God and they don't have the light shining on their imperfections. Those are the ignorance is bliss. Those are the people, again, their life has trouble too. But those are the people that are living in sin, but they're not convicted by it because they're not in the light. They're, they're, they're operating in the shadows. They're operating in the darkness. What do I have to worry about? I'm just living my life. This is what life tells me to do. This is what society tells me. I don't feel bad about it. As Christians, especially Christians that have an intimate relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we're going to have a bright light shining on us constantly. And it's constantly going to be convicting us of our sin. It's constantly going to be convicting us of where we fall short. It's constantly going to be convicting us of how we can do better, be better, live better, serve better, bring more people to him. And when you're constantly in a bright light and you constantly have your imperfections brought to light, you're not necessarily going to feel jolly grand about that. And that's okay. That's the way it should be. Because Jesus is constantly reminding us, up, don't forget about this. Up, don't forget about this. Up, don't forget about this. If we weren't in the light, if we were just awash in darkness, we'd be none the wiser. Thank heavens you're in the light. Thank heavens you're having your imperfections highlighted on a regular basis because the stakes could not be higher. We're talking about eternal salvation versus eternal damnation. People that are in the dark likely don't recognize they're in the dark. They're just going to keep going on sinning. 
They're going to keep doing what they're doing. They're going to keep following what society tells them. They're going to keep blind leading the blind. And when they have that big exit interview in the sky, when God calls their number, now they're going to have to account for the things that they did or not do, the things that they said or didn't say, the people whose lives they touched or made worse. And it's too late for them at that point. If you're not in the light, get in the light. Because when I was starting to, I guess, go back to the facial example, when I was starting to break out, looking at my mirror from 10 feet away, I'm fine. There's no problem. But because I had somebody looking out for me, because I had somebody who knew what to spot, and because I had somebody that forced me to look at myself very, very closely under intense lights and show me these brewing imperfections, show me these brewing problems, I was able to address it before I had this massive breakout. By that point, it's too late. If you're not in the light, if you're not very, very close to the light, if you don't have the light scrutinizing every single one of your imperfections, start changing that now. You hear that about society today. Oh, politicians live in a fishbowl. Movie stars live in a fishbowl. Every single move they have or every single uh, step they take is scrutinized. We should only pray that we're in that situation spiritually because God is keeping us on the right track. God is scrutinizing every single move and God is convicting us every single time we do something bad so that we can have that behavioral change so that we don't get hit by that proverbial bus before we're right with God, before we've asked for forgiveness, before we've atoned for our sins and before we started dedicating our life to the light. This comes straight out of scripture. Let's look at Psalm 139, verses 11 through 12. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. The closer you are to the light, the shiner the light, the, the brighter the light is going to shine. And the brighter the light, the more imperfections are going to be revealed. That's not going to do a lot of wonders for us mentally and emotionally, at least initially. But that light is the guardrail that we need to make sure that we're going down the straight and narrow, that we're living a life for Christ, that we're bringing people to our Heavenly Father and that we're realizing our true God-given potential. Here's the other thing I want to say before we take a quick break and bring on Chad Garman. The other thing is, too, once you've got that light and once you have intimacy with that light and once that light is never a few inches from your face, guess what? That light is always with you. That light always goes with you. It's a constant companion. Think of that beloved children's song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. It's not like, well, only when I go to this place and I flip the switch is that light on. One of the beautiful things about getting intimacy with Jesus Christ. One of the wonderful things about getting really close to his light is this is not an external light that shines in. This is an internal light that radiates out. And it's with you wherever you go. When you wake up in the morning, it's there. When you go to the workplace during the day, it's there. When you go to the sporting event that your kid is participating in in the afternoon, it's there. When you lay your head down at night, it's there. And what Psalm 139, 11 through 12 is also saying is what is dark for 
the average ordinary person will never be dark for somebody that has the light because light and darkness cannot coexist in the same time. If you have the light of Christ inside you radiating out, those dark places are now, guess what? Light places. Just start thinking about what's dark in society today. Nighttime can be dark. For some people, when they turn off the light and go to sleep, it's torment because their, their, their thoughts are going through their head. Their mind is racing. They're filled with regret, worry, anxiety. That's not a dark place for you anymore because you have the light radiating out. Another dark place in society, I would say, are just any kind of stressful situation. You're looking at your bank account. Oh, my gosh, I'm almost out of money. Cash flow is terrible. You're trying to think, how am I going to pay all these these debts and these bills, your marriage is on the rocks and thinking about the problems with some of your relationships, that can be a dark place. Thinking about the regrets in life, the, the, the things you did or the things you didn't do, those can be regrets in life. All of those things, financial worries, marital worries, regrets, depression, anxiety, those are all dark places. Well, guess what? If you have intimacy with the light, and that light is internally radiating out that dark place, that dark area, that dark moment now has the light of Christ radiating out. And as we said, light and darkness cannot coexist at the same time. Now, that place is filled with the light of his love, the light of his forgiveness, the light of his grace, the light of his kindness, the light of his non-judgmental temperament. This is the trade-off here, and you've got to be willing to do this. On the one hand, as we just articulated, the closer you get to the light, the brighter the light becomes, and the brighter the light becomes, the more imperfections it shines on. That can be tough to deal with. Nobody wants to look at themselves as a busted, broken, disgusting, horrible person, but guess what? You are. I am. Ever since... The fall of man, Adam, in the Garden of Eden. We've lived in a life of sin. Sin is our default. Hell is our default. Creatures of the flesh is our default. It took Jesus Christ to be crucified on the cross to take on all of our sins, to forgive us of all of our sins, to do a bit of a reset, just like the original Adam led to the fall of mankind, Jesus, the second Adam, restored mankind. He still loves you. He still forgives you. But in this society today that says you're perfect, you're wonderful, your happiness matters, bullcrap on a stick. You're not wonderful. I'm not wonderful. We're busted, broken, sinful, disgusting, horrible people. We got to, we got to understand that. Because before we can be saved, we have to humble ourselves. We cannot get to heaven on our own. We need Christ. We cannot be successful in this life alone. We need Christ. We are incapable of accomplishing anything in this life on our own. We need Christ. You need the light. And when you see the light, you're just going to see just how broken and disgusting and dirty you really are, just like I do. That's not always fun, but that is necessary to make sure that we walk the straight and narrow in life, that we do what God commands us. But when you get that much intimacy with the light, the light becomes internalized 
and you take that light with you wherever you go. Now those dark moments aren't as dark. Now those dark situations aren't as dark. Now those dark places aren't as dark because you bring the light with you wherever you go. And what a fantastic trade-off that is. Psalm 139, verses 11 through 12. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. I'll tell you, if you're a Wisconsin CEO or Wisconsin business owner, sometimes running your organization can be like walking through the dark. What decisions do I make? Where do I go? What's my business plan? Who do I hire? I'm stumbling around in the dark. I need that light. Well, from my experience anyway, that light can certainly be Culture Index because Culture Index helps you with the most important asset that you have, and that is the people that are on your team. Culture Index has the business solution to drive revenue, profitability, and company scale by concentrating on your most expensive and subjective asset, which we just said is your people. I've been a satisfied client of Culture Index now for years, and you couldn't pay me to get these guys out of my life. Learn more about this world-class organization at cultureindex.com and make sure you tell them that C-Suite for Christ sent you. We're going to take a really quick break, and we're going to be back with Chad Garman, member of the Orlando chapter of C-Suite for Christ. Don't go anywhere. And welcome back, everybody. Getting really excited. We are just 60 seconds or so away from our guest of honor, Chad Garman. But hey, listen, I just want to challenge you. Do you feel like you're sitting on the sidelines with respect to your faith? And if the answer is yes, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. It is easy to have that happen from time to time. In this world of cancel culture, in this world of political correctness, in this litigious society, in this world that makes us as Christians out to be the bad guys, it could be easy to retreat to the sidelines, easy to retreat to the homestead. Well, the more you retreat, the more we start losing with respect to bringing Christ into the center, not only of our homes and our workplaces, but of our universe. So I want to encourage you to get off the sidelines. There's a couple ways you could do that. One, share the podcast. That's why this podcast exists. Believe me, I need something else to do. Like I need a punch in the face, but this podcast exists for you to post on social media, for you to send an email to your friends and family. Use this as a way to fulfill the great commission. But if you want to take it a step further, get involved with our ministry, go to our website, csweetforchrist.com. Become an official member, attend a monthly gathering, but whatever you do, do something because we're stronger together and we're better together. One person who is definitely off the sideline is the individual or guest of honor that we're going to be talking to today. His name is Chad Garman. In addition to being a member of the Orlando chapter of C-Suite for Christ, he's also the director of operations at F. George Concrete. He's a wonderful human being, and I look forward to talking to him here today. Chad, how are you, brother? I'm doing great. It's so great to be uh, on the program and to be able to just share a little bit uh, with the listeners today. 
Well, I'm excited to learn a lot from you. I know we had an opportunity to spend some time in person, one at a recent Orlando gathering, and then two when I was speaking at the U.S. Christian Chamber of Commerce event. I really enjoyed our time together, and I'm looking forward to having you share your words of wisdom with us. So, Chad, as you know, today's verse that we're unpacking, Psalm 139, verses 11 through 12, if I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. So, Chad, with that in mind, what does Psalm 139, verses 11 through 12 mean to you? Yeah, so I I find some great comfort, especially in the times that we are living in now. Uh, this uh this psalm, this psalm from David is asking us some really big questions. The the whole kind of Psalm 139 is asking some really big questions of God, the God of the universe, to examine our heart, uh, to, to know our soul, and, and to acknowledge that he already knows all of those things, but inviting God in. Uh, it speaks to God knowing us so intimately that there's nothing that's hidden or unfamiliar or kind of like to say it this way, there's nothing that's off limits to God. And that's sometimes scary. I, I would have to admit that that is uh, a scary thing, especially if we compartmentalized our faith. But I'm reminded of the this kind of phrase that the devil knows my name, but calls me by my sin. But God knows my sin and calls me by my name. So we can remember that David is a call is called a man after God's own heart, even though he has messed up uh, repeatedly. But these verses give us hope for a dark world, and and it gives us hope that we can be light in a dark world. Well, and I and I really like that difference with what you said there between the way that Satan looks at us in the way that Christ looks at us. I think that is very well articulated and a really nice way of looking at it. You, you've referenced now a couple of times, and you and I are in complete agreement with this, that when we talk about light and dark, obviously light and darkness cannot coexist at the same time. You either have a dark room, which is devoid of light, or you have a light room, which is devoid of darkness. And one of the things that I feel, and you obviously do too, because you just referenced this, but society today, man, it's just all around us. It keeps getting darker and darker, primarily because our society is moving further and further away from Christ. But what if you agree with that, and I think you do, why do you think society keeps getting darker today? And what, if anything, can we ordinary Christians do about that? I would wholeheartedly agree that it seems like we're living in some really dark times. But I think the question that we need to ask ourselves is this, is were we ever promised comfort, ease, stress-free journey in our Christian walk? I, I don't see that in scripture. What I do see is Jesus asking his followers to pick up a cross and follow him. He didn't say, go grab a first-class ticket go sit in an easy chair, go get box seats. He said across. And so the context of that is, is they knew exactly what that meant. And so he's asking us as his followers to pick up a cross. And that's where the hope that I see in this verse 
from Psalm that we're talking about is that that there is still hope because God is still in control. In a dark world, God is still in control. In a dark world, God is not surprised. Even the darkness we experience, you know, one day you and I know it's going to be defeated. Darkness will not win. Light will win. God will win. But mankind, including myself and, and you as well, Paul, we're still breathing. We're still walking. We're still talking. And we're, we still have a sin problem. And I constantly need the grace and the mercy of God in my life. And God offers that grace and that mercy, even when I've messed up over and over and over again, just as David uh, did as well. Yeah, you and me both, brother. I uh, I think I've ran out of fingers on my hands to count how many times I've screwed up thus far today, and it's probably only going to get worse as the day continues. But one of the things that you hit on, I really want to go deeper with, because you bring up an excellent point. You're right. If you read scripture, we were never promised an easy life. We were never promised a comfortable life. We were never promised a safe life. Yet today, I find many Christians today want that aspire for that, pray for that. Where, where, where does that disconnect come from? Where in scripture, it doesn't promise that. In fact, it says just the opposite. Basically, if you're going to be a follower of mine, you're going to be subjected to persecution. You're going to be perspected to a tough, challenging life. Yet many in society today, including Christians, want that comfort, feel that that comfort is necessary for a happy fulfilling life. I know you can't speak for everybody here, Chad, but if we as Christians already kind of know that it's not promised, yet many of us want that, where does that disconnect come from, do you think? Yeah, it's a great question. I think a couple of different things come to mind uh, when when we talk about that disconnect. And, And one is it's very much a Western view. As I've had the opportunity to travel around uh, the world, meet other people, you know, that, that comfort, uh, comfort Christianity really is a Western view. Uh, it is not often held um, in, uh, in other cultures and other societies. It's definitely something that it, uh, it is much more prevalent in our day and our time uh, here in, uh, in our Western thinking. And so, uh, you know, I think part of it is we've never really uh, experienced persecution. Uh, we talk a little bit about persecution and, and, and I know we're going to get into this a, a little bit later uh, in our talk, but, you know, most of us don't have a fear of um, the ultimate, you know, being crucified for our faith. The, the, the thing that we are afraid of is our reputation being tarnished. Um, it, it's most of us don't have a fear of, uh, of, of our faith being uh, so challenged that we are actually going to be, uh, put to death for our faith. And so we, we've never experienced that. And so we oftentimes uh, forget that uh, our Western thinking doesn't always uh, equate to what happened uh, and what happens in the rest of the world when it comes to, uh, to our faith. And so I think that's important for us to, to remember in this context of, uh, of what we're talking about today is that we uh, we are not promised it to be simple, our, our faith walk, that is, but we are promised that God is with us in that, um, and that that's where the comfort comes from. 
Yeah, and what I like about that, and it, it, that really hit home for me not too long ago. Obviously, I'm not going to name names because for the reason I'm about to share, you'll know why. But ours is an international ministry. Not only do we have chapters all over the country, all over the world, but accordingly, we have membership all over the world. And some countries, as you mentioned, Chad, are just very hostile to Christians. And we have a couple of members in communist China. And I had a conversation with one of them virtually not too long ago. And one of the things that she shared with me is her husband doesn't even know that she's a member of C-Suite for Christ. And I thought that was fascinating. And I asked her why. And she said, well, I just don't want word to get out that I'm a practicing Christian. Because in China, if word gets out, not like her husband's going to tell on her, but you tell one person and that goes to somebody else. But I just found it fascinating that nobody in her life knows that she's a member of C-Suite for Christ for that very reason. And I think, uh, according to what you said, Chad, that that really puts this verse in the proper perspective. Absolutely. And, and it's definitely, uh, it's tough for us to imagine having to live uh, in a world where that is our everyday. Uh, you, know, you and I have the the luxury of, of you know, uh, probably choosing which uh, service we're going to go to uh, this weekend. Uh, you know, there's multiple churches that we could attend. There's multiple services within that that faith fellowship that we can choose from. And yet there's bro- we have brothers and sisters in the faith all over the world uh, that are 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 pe- persecuted to death uh, for their faith. And uh, and oftentimes we, as you know, you'd said earlier, we're on the sidelines because of, we're afraid of a, of, of a reputation that might get a little tarnished if someone knew that we uh, were a follower of Jesus. Yep. Yep. And sometimes we need that healthy dose of healthy dose of perspective. You're exactly right. Yeah. To kind of to kind of dive a little bit deeper into a topic that you started to bring up. And, and again, we're, we're talking about this on a fairly regular basis, not only as a ministry, but in conversations like the one that you and I are having right now, Chad. I mean, I, I totally understand the reasons why individuals choose not to let their lights shine. I and mean, we're just talking about this, whether it be reputational damage, whether it be cancel culture and the more extreme example that I gave about that member in China who doesn't even let people know that she's associated with us. I understand why people don't let their light shine because let's be honest, society can be pretty good at punishing Christians who do. So because we often hear about the reasons why we shouldn't share our light with others, I don't think we often hear the reasons why we should share our light with others. So in your humble opinion, as a guy who's not perfect, you'll be the first to admit that, but as a guy who's pretty darn good at letting his light shine and bringing others to Christ, what are the benefits, Chad, of letting that light of yours shine? And how specifically have you seen this play out in your life? Yeah, so great question. And and for some of the things that we've already talked about, um, you know, we don't, maybe we just don't even know how. Um, we, we just don't know how to let our light shine or, or a, a numerate uh, of reasons why, but, but here, here's kind of the, the simplicity of what I have found in my own personal walk. So if we're to let our light shine to a dark world, we're to let our light shine. We don't have to be a flame thrower. Sometimes our best intentions fall flat. And I'm reminded personally, uh, my wife is really great at reminding me of this, uh, that she says, Chad, you know, oftentimes it's not what you said, but how you said it. Uh, and so I've, I've personally 
again, from my, my seat here, I've never convinced someone to follow Jesus through by having an argumentative spirit. Now, I'm not saying that it doesn't happen. I'm not saying that God can't and God doesn't use debate of, of spiritual things to change someone's heart. I'm just saying it's never worked for me. So how do I let Jesus shine through me? How do I, how have I seen some um, success in this? It really falls down to this, something that a simple framework that someone uh, once shared with me, and then I've had the opportunity to kind of train some others in it uh, along the way. And it's this, this, to love, serve, and care for people like Jesus. Now, if Paul, if I could quote the great theologian Ice Cube, we need to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. Now, now I that a little tongue in cheek for us, but the context for us really is we need to check ourselves before we wreck the name of Jesus. So are my actions, am I showing love for God and my neighbors as I was instructed to do in Matthew chapter 22? Am I serving or does this feel a little bit more like self-serving? Am I washing feet or am I waiting for someone else or expecting someone else to wash my feet? Am I caring for this person? Is there physical needs and hurt, their pain, their struggle? Am I helping to address that? You know, when I look back at scripture, I see most of the time where, where Jesus addresses a physical need long before he addresses a spiritual one. And so I'm, I'm reminded of the words that Jesus spoke, kind of his last words to his disciples uh, in Matthew 28, where he says, go and make disciples. And really the idea for us is as you go, do those things. So as you go about your day, how can I love Paul like Jesus loves Paul? As I go about my day, how can I serve Robbie like Jesus? As I go about my day, how can I care for Andrea and the way and the things that she is struggling with? So I guess for our kind of business context is how do I love and serve and care for my employees today? How can yeah. I love and serve and care for my boss today? Like the, that it's just gives, it's given me a framework and a lens to see people uh, in some really difficult and dark places. Yeah. What I love, there's just so many things about the C-Suite for Christ podcast that, you know, resonates with me. We get wonderful people like Chad sharing their heart. We talk about very important, intellectually stimulating conversations. But then we also quote famous theologians like Ice Cube. So it's always, <laughs> it's all, you never know what you're going to get on the C Suite for Christ podcast. But yeah, anytime you quote Ice Cube, yeah, you know, we're having one heck of a conversation. So, Chad, what, what, speaking of things I like about the podcast is I also love that we don't pull any punches. You know, somebody asked me the other day, how do you know if you're being successful with this program? And, you know, you, you got the normal metrics that you can quote. Well, we have this many downloads. We're in this many countries. We're on the top 10 in Apple or whatever the case may be. I don't look at it that way. That's good. But I really define success as are we convicting people with our content? And if the answer is no, we're failing. I agree with you. Comfortable Christianity is hurting the Christian movement 
all over the world. And we have to make we have to get comfortable making people uncomfortable. So with that being said, I really want your honest assessment to this next question. I, I We know how the movie ends. We're Christians. We know that God wins in the end. I get that. But are you optimistic or pessimistic, Chad, that this dark world, this dark society will get lighter anytime soon? Or do you think we're in for it getting worse before it gets better? Well, let me answer it this way. We can, we have a choice. Okay. So we understand that, especially within our Western culture, we're comfortable. So we can either be thermometers and sit in our comfortable faith and talk about how cold it is in the room, or we can be the thermostat and go change the culture. We can change the temperature in the room. Right. And so oftentimes when, when I have these conversations uh, with other believers, uh, we sit around and we talk about how bad things are, but we're never willing to do anything about it. So we're just being uh, the thermometer, but we got to be the thermostat. We got to go out and change. We, we, we have an active faith. Uh, our faith is one that's lived out. And so we've been comfortable for too long. And if our uncomfortableness gets us off the couch, gets us out of our chair, gets us to go do something, then man, I hope that we are getting to a point where we are so uncomfortable as believers that we're willing to go change the temperature of our culture. That's my hope. Yeah, Amen to that. That is certainly my hope. That is certainly my prayer. And what a nice uh, visual image between the thermometer and the thermostat. And then and maybe that'll be one of our big takeaways. Let all of us here at C-Suite for Christ be that thermostat. We have the ability to be the change we want to see in the world. And it would be nice to rise to Chad's challenge there. Chad, as I figured what happened, our time together has just flown by. So regrettably, I've only got time for one more question. But what I, what I love about the discussion that we're having is this is very high-level, important stuff. We're talking about deep philosophical issues, all of that, which is fine. But what I don't want is I don't want our listeners to say, wow, that was a good conversation. Now what? We need to kind of give them some guidance on this. Now what? So so, so let's assume that one of our listeners says, you know what? Starting today, not tomorrow, not next week, not next year. Starting today, I personally, I, Joe Q listener, would like to do a better job of being a light in an otherwise dark, cold world. And you kind of reference this in your last answer. What, what, what two or three things can that individual start to do immediately to become more proficient in this regard? So I, I think we have to start with prayer. That's where it all starts, right? So, and if we were to use uh, our, our Psalm 139 as our guide, we would start with prayer and we would ask God to examine our hearts, our own hearts and our own souls. And we would ask him to get us in the right place. Right. So I, I think it starts there. And then the, the second prayer that's a part of that is to give me the strength and the courage, knowing that God's on our side. We've referenced it earlier. We know how it ultimately ends. God's on our side. We know how it ends. We, we need the personal strength and courage to go out and to do the, the sometimes the simple things like the framework that we just kind of unpack the love, serve and care. Uh, for for those who are around us. And I love, um, you know, there's a, a pastor, Andy Stanley. He says this, he says, do for one what you wish you could do for all. 
And so I get that some of our listeners probably have a huge team, right? And they can't love, serve, and care for every single person on that team. But today, what we can do is love, serve, and care for one. And and what I love, you know, we just kind of came off of that Christmas season. And I don't know about you, Paul, but, you know, my church always does the candlelight service. And it starts with a completely dark room. And then what happens? One light, one candle is lit. And you get a little bit of light and then a little bit more and then a little bit more and a little bit more. And by the by the time you're done singing uh, Oh Holy Night or Away in a Manger, whatever it is, and you're done singing that song, the, the room is filled with light. And it started with just one. Uh, and so I guess that would be, it, it would be it as far as my challenge and, and how we how to make this real is that we start with prayer, we start with ourselves, and then we go and love, serve, and care for one person today. Well, I personally cannot think of a more appropriate image to end this conversation on than a dark room followed by one candle, followed by two, followed by four. I think that is very well said. Chad Garman, he is a member of C-Suite for Christ, the Orlando chapter. What a blessing he is to that organization. He's also professionally the director of operations at F. George Concrete. Chad, it's a blessing to have you in the C-Suite for Christ family, my brother, and thank you so much for being generous with your time here today. We really appreciated that. Well, it was uh, truly an honor to be with you. Don't go anywhere, gang. We're going to be back with some closing thoughts in a few seconds. Stick around. Well, as we get ready to say goodbye here on another edition of the C-Suite for Christ podcast, just want to say thank you to Chad Garman, member of the C-Suite for Christ Orlando chapter. What a great guy he is. Boy, when I was down in uh, Orlando, Florida in October, I did a keynote speech for the U.S. Christian Chamber of Commerce. Got some wonderful time with Chad. He was uh, driving me around and spent some quality fellowship time with him. And then I also a couple days later spoke at uh, one of the gatherings of the C-Suite for Christ Orlando chapter, got a chance to spend time with Chad and a lot of the wonderful people down there. So what I would just say, not only is Chad a world-class people, but C-Suite for Christ Orlando is full of Chad Garmans, is full of Andrea Sherwoods, is full of Pastor Joseph Thompson's. You got to get connected with that chapter. So if you live in Orlando, if you live in the state of Florida, look them up. You won't regret it. Just real quick, what did we learn today? Really just a couple of quick things. It is very important that you enjoy intimacy with the light. And all I mean by intimacy is be very, very close with the light. In this case, the light is Jesus Christ. Now, I got to tell you, though, it's not going to be the most fun experience in the world. It's not going to be the most enjoyable experience in the world because as you get closer to that light, as you get closer in intimacy and fellowship with Jesus Christ, guess what? That light is going to shine very bright, and that bright light is going to reveal a ton of imperfections. You're not going to like what you see when that light shines on you. You're going to feel dirty when that light shines on you. You're going to want to just go scurry back in the dark. Oh, man, I'm ugly. Oh, man, I'm dirty. Oh, man, I'm so unclean. It would be so much easier if I wasn't under this intense scrutiny by in the by hiding in the dark. What you're going to go through from a possibly a heaviness and a negative emotions perspective is going to be, you're going to be redeemed in so many other ways. One Every time there's an imperfection, every time you go down the wrong path, every time you sin, every time you make a mistake, it's going to be magnified a thousand times over. That is a good thing. 
because it's going to make sure that you're following God's commandments. It's going to make sure that you're going down the right path. It's going to make sure that you're following the straight and narrow. And that's what we need to do in addition to accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior if we're going to gain eternal life. But the other thing about this, too, is and take it from a guy who has lived a large amount of his life in dark places. I've suffered from terrible anxiety, chronic anxiety, anxiety so bad that every second of every minute of every hour of every day, I was anxious, which led to depression, which for a brief period of time, my junior year of college, about a month, I was suicidal. It got so bad, my parents had to pull me out of school because they needed to be watching me 24-7. They didn't trust me on my own. Those are very, very dark places. But again, if you're enjoying intimate fellowship with the light, If you're deeply connected with the light, that light becomes an internal light that radiates outward. It's almost like you have an internal nightlight with you. And now the dark places become light because, again, it's common sense. Light and darkness cannot coexist at the same time. Those dark moments, those dark experiences, those dark instances, those dark seasons aren't as dark as much anymore because you bring the light of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. And I got to say, speaking only for me, I am willing, ready, and able to have my imperfections closely scrutinized to take that light with me wherever I go to make sure that those dark moments aren't nearly as dark. If you want to experience the light for yourself, we would strongly encourage you to take a long, hard look at our ministry. Go to our website, csweetforchrist.com. Become a dues-paying member of our organization. Attend a gathering once in a while. Attend one of our weekly ministries. Don't forget about our February 9th event coming up, covering the world, the Covering the World in Christ celebration with Governor Mike Huckabee, Danny Gokey. You can buy your tickets for in-person or via live stream. They're going fast. That's less than two weeks away. Whatever you do, do something. Because a little bit of light is better than a whole lot of darkness. I'm Paul M. Newberger. Just know that I love you. Thank you so much for taking time to be here with us. We appreciate you. You're a blessing to us, and we hope to see you back here next time. Thank you for joining us on the C-Suite for Christ podcast. People everywhere are thirsting for Christ. Our goal is to cover the world in Christ using hope, encouragement, and God's nourishing words. We hope you'll join us. Please visit csuiteforchrist.com and come back soon for more conversations centered around God's endless love for us all. I saw you in my dreams before I came here. I dreams when I leave here I won't forget you no, no no I won't forget you you're like one of a kind and my eyes light up when I think about you I won't forget you life goes on and on and on